Good morning to everyone. It's good to be here in the Lord's house and uh, we, the body of Christ together, here ready to worship Him and His name. I'm sorry we had to do this, but we had a sermon. We had the first part. We had to do communion. So together we're doing the second part of that sermon. If you are looking into your outline, it's the same that I gave you two weeks back. Because we went through that, and we went only until point number three. So today we're going to be on the same sermon, but beginning on the point four. And uh, the title of that sermon is Living Today... But living today on tomorrow's expectation. And we basically are talking about hope. So I couldn't help myself. And I brought you this picture down here. So these are Cuban rafters in 1994. And uh, that happened in five weeks. I don't know if you remember that, those events. In five weeks, 35,000 Cuban rafters left the island. In five weeks, in 1994. I think that picture is a great picture for various reasons, several reasons. One is that I don't know how the guy that took the picture did it, but that on the left is a Russian embassy. That big tower you see there is a Russian embassy. So those people, the capture shows they're, they're running away from that. They are running away from communism. From Cuba, but from communism that is over Cuba. And the other big deal about that picture, and it's the, the reason I, I choose it, is because of the name of that raft. The people who know Spanish know that it's called the hope. Those people had a hope of leaving communism back and, and try to get to a land of freedom. So in some way, we're doing the same. But it's a different kind of hope. And I'm reminding you the concept of biblical hope I gave you last time. It's a confident expectation of a certain glorious future. It's not something probable, but it's something that we know for sure. That is going to be a glorious future. And that is our hope, a certain hope. We went through the main, the proposition of these whole five points is that the believers... Lifestyle is based on hope. Our, our life is based on hope. And we began explaining five facts. Why we have a lifestyle of hope. We went through the first one. And we said that this lifestyle was optimized by abiding. And what I tried to explain there is that the results that we will receive 
are going to be better if we live a life abiding in Him. We're going to get better results. We went through the verse beginning, and I will ask you please that go with me through 28 until verse 2 on 1 John chapter 2 from verse 28. So we're going to try to quickly cover what we already covered last sermon and try to begin in the right place we left. Okay? So please get your Bibles on 1 John 2.28. And as always, before dealing with God's Word, I'm going to pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you, God. And we're so thankful for this certain hope we have in you, God. Father, it's not a fairy tale. It's not something that could happen. We are sure of our future. Such a great future in your presence for eternity. That we are just full of joy and full of hope today. Living in tomorrow's expectation, God. We ask you, please, that you help us today to go and to learn about that future hope. And more than learning, that you help us to live our life in that hope. We need your help for that. And we ask you for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. So... The first fact we looked at is that our hope is optimized based on our abiding. So, 1 John 2.28 says, This, sorry, now little children abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from Him in shame. At his coming. So we saw two attitudes that we may have when he appears. We may have confidence or we might just shrink away. What we want to do from those two. It depends on how we abide in him. So we went through 2 Corinthians 5.10. And uh, it's clear that says we were going to be recompensed for our deeds. While we are in the body. So we have to abide in him. So we can have that final attitude. And we went through two kinds of materials that we may build while we are living here. Our works. While we, we are Christians. We can just decide to build on wood, hay and straw. Or we can build on gold, silver and precious stones. So we can just decide to sit here and do nothing. Or just work and live our lives for God. And we're going to receive reward if we do the right thing. The second fact that we looked at is that our lifestyle of hope is going to be demonstrated in our lives. It's going to be demonstrated through righteousness. The way we live is going to show all the people around us if we have that hope. If we have that lifestyle of hope, we're going to show it to other people through righteousness, through our life. 
It says in verse 29, If we know that He is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of Him. They will know we are born of Him. We, they will know we are living that lifestyle of hope if we are righteous, if we live righteous lives. And we said that it's not about perfection. It's about direction. We're going to fail sometimes, but we need to live a life of righteousness in the right direction. The third fact we looked at is that this lifestyle of hope has been made available to us through love. That's the real cause of our salvation. It's love. It's God's love. The, the first step came from God's love. Not for us. We didn't do anything. So John is telling here in verse 1 from chapter 3. See, behold, how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us. Because it did not know him. So. That great love from God. Is the, was the initial point. Was the real cause of this lifestyle of hope. So today we're going to land on the fourth fact. Of this lifestyle of hope we are living in. Or we should be living in. And uh, I wanted to take time and explain this fourth point. It's going to be almost three quarters of the sermon today. Because this is the end of this living hope that we have. And some people have misunderstanding about the end. About our future hope. Some people think that some of the facts that the Bible describes as future facts already happened. And uh, the Bible explains that it's going to be in the future. And how it is going to be. So I'm going to go through with you through some verses and explain those facts. Let's go first on verse 2. It says, the Apostle John, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We're children of God. We're not what we used to be. And uh, we don't know yet what we're going to be. It's selling to them. And the second part of the verse says, We know that when He appears... We will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. So He's telling those believers, we don't know a lot, because we don't, we don't know. But when He appears, at least we know we're going to be like Him. So we're going to try to explain all of that. And we're going to begin on the promise first. Please, if you would... Go with me to John 14. That's the general promise that Jesus did 
to the disciples first. We're in chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. Jesus just uh, washed the feet of the disciples in chapter 13. And he discharged Judas. And uh, chapter 14, that is part of uh, the upper room discourse. He's beginning on chapter 14 to encourage, to comfort the disciples. For me, this is one of the most beautiful sections of the Bible. I really love it. Because Jesus knows he's leaving. He's going to leave the disciples. And he takes the time to give them comfort. So he begins in 14 doing that. 14.1. And we're going to read from 1 to 3. Oh, sorry, technology is not helping us today. So we'll... I'm reading from the NASB 95. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't it great? He knows he's leaving, but he took the time to tell the disciples, I'm leaving, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And not only that I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm coming back for you. To take you to myself. So we may be together. Isn't it a great promise? Let's keep talking about that. Now we're going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Please, if you would. And we're going to begin in chapter 13. I always remind you, this was John writing. Now it's Paul writing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 14 is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. And Paul is trying to advise and give them some encouragement to, to this church about the end times. This letter is not a bad letter like... Uh, telling or trying to correct them, but this is a letter trying to encourage this church in Thessalonica. It's, it's mostly about end times and what is going to happen in the future. So we begin in, in verse 13, and it says, Paul is saying, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. Those who are asleep, asleep is an euphemism for dead. It's just a nice, soft way to tell them dead. Okay? Those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. Paul is telling them, I want you to be informed, not uninformed, about those people who are dead. 
Because I don't want you to be of all those people who have no hope. And he continues in verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. If Jesus defeated death and he resurrected, he will bring those who died in him. We have that fact. If he did it, he will do it with us too. We have that assurance. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now in 15, he's giving us the order. So those who have fallen asleep, who have died, are going to precede the ones who are alive at the return of the Lord. It's given an order here. And he will continue on 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first is confirming again the order the people who have died in Christ are going to rise first and 17 then we who are alive and remain will be cut up like snatch that verb is like snatch cut up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we shall always be with the Lord this specific verse is described describing what we know as the rapture it's not saying in any time that Christ is going to touch the earth the rapture is going to happen in heaven in the clouds Christ won't come to the physical earth he won't make it to the earth. In this time, he just will come to the clouds and we will meet him on the air. That's one of the difference between the rapture and the second coming described in Revelation. So now we know the promise. We know the order. We know the place. And let's describe now... What is going to happen? That likeness that John is talking about writing our epistle, that likeness, what would it be? That, that, that what is explaining there, John, that he says, we don't know a lot, but we know that we're going to be in his likeness. What do we know about it? Paul describes some of that in 1 Corinthians 15. What is going to happen? So if you would, you can go to 1 Corinthians 15 or you just can read on the screen with me. We will begin in verse 50. It's Paul talking or writing to the church in Corinth that this was a trouble church, not like Thessalonica. And uh, he's trying to clarify some things about the resurrection 
and here at the end of the chapter explains even more. Verse 50, it says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. What is a mystery? That word can be difficult for us because when we think today about a mystery, we think it's something mysterious. It doesn't have nothing mysterious. Mystery, in a general sense, means something that we cannot figure out. Like we, our man, minds cannot grasp it. But in the Bible sense, it means something that was unknown, but today is revealed. And that's the sense that Paul is giving to that. When Paul is telling to the church in Corinth, I'm giving you a mystery, is something that previously was not known, but today has been revealed. And it's Paul the one telling to them. What's that mystery? Let's keep on. 51, after that, uh, the mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed for this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. Fourteen, but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal we have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up, swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? I don't know about you, but I am ready to get rid of this body. And I am ready to get rid of this nature I have. Especially this week, I have been feeling bad physically. I had even fever this week. And I'm 33 only. And I'm trying to run again, and some, my kneecap sometimes hurts. Man. But not only physically. I'm ready to get rid of everything. Like envy, lust, weird desires, weird, even simple Weird afflictions, like watching TV series and stuff, losing my time with stuff. I'm ready to get rid of, of this body physically and emotionally too. So, I don't know about you, but I am ready. Ooh, I skipped something here. So, I would ask you please to go with me to Second Peter 1.4. I didn't put that verse for you in the presentation. I'm sorry. So, 
If you are in 1 John, just go a little bit on your left and you will find it. First, 2 Peter 1 4, please. Just to confirm our desires and what we want to do. He's giving a confirmation there. I will read for you from the Nazi 95. Yes, Peter. Knowing that the lying aside of my earthly dwelling, the body, his earthly well dwelling is the body, is imminent, is near. As I'm in I was in 14, I'm sorry, it's four. Yeah. Okay, now it makes sense. Second Peter is one is four is the intro to the letter and uh, he is uh, talking about all the benefits of what we have in Christ. And in verse 4 it says, For by this He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises. Those promises our hope today is based in. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. And that is one of the benefits of this end we're going to reach. And uh, what we are waiting while we live in this hope. We're going to be partakers of the divine nature. We're going to be immortal. We're going to be in, in their presence. And continues, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And this is another reason we are ready to just get rid of these bodies. Not only because physically we want to get rid of it, not only because our desires, but because of the world and, and all the things. This world of lust, of desires and troubles that we have around us. So, I'm ready. And I'm waiting to that time. And uh, this fourth fact that I gave you, we're going to end in the likeness of Christ. I am really, really wanting to reach that likeness of Christ. I will read verse 2 to remind what we talked and 3 to go into the fifth fact today. Back on 1 John 3 verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. This is just what we looked into now. We're going to be in His likeness, and we're going to abandon this body, and we're waiting for that. That's the end of our hope. 
And we continue. Verse 3. And that's our fifth fact today. Verse 3. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So this fifth fact about our lifestyle of hope is that this lifestyle that we even looked in point two that we show it through righteousness while we're living this we should live it in a process of purity in a purifying process why the same verse is answering that for us And everyone who has this hope fixed in him, what? Purifies himself. But the reason is because he is pure. And this statement, this kind of statement, when you see it, you can easily trace it since, since the beginning of the Bible. So that's why I, I gave you there in your outline several verses in Leviticus Deuteronomy that 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 is the real beginning of um, that statement so that word purifies when he says in verse 3 fix on him purifies himself it's a what let me go a little off sorry comes from is the word hagnizo. And it means, literally means to make clean. So figuratively, it's about cleaning ourselves. It could be ceremonially, or it could be morally. So our job, what we will be doing while we wait for that end, while we live in this lifestyle of hope, is try to clean ourselves, to purify ourselves, because He is pure. I brought you this other verse from Second Corinthians. Therefore, having the pro these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I brought you this verse because it describes a little bit better how this cleansing is. So it gives us a little idea there. We cleanse ourselves from what? From all defilement of flesh and spirit. So it's trying to put together these two areas we need to clean. We clean ourselves physically and spiritually. So we need to get rid of everything physically that is affecting us. Something that we are just drinking or eating or consuming physically that is damaging us. Our, our body is God's temple. If we are physically polluting our body, we should... Get rid of that. I don't know what it can be for you. 
But it can be, you know, people sometimes um, don't, don't, don't think about it, but sugar, just sugar, can damage us so much. And diabetics love sugar. So, so let's think about those physical things we are, we are consuming or, or just polluting our body with. And we can just not only talk about defilement of flesh, but also about spirit. What are we consuming spiritually that is affecting us? Maybe we're watching the wrong TV show. Or spending too much time talking with someone that is... Uh, giving us bad ideas or bad feelings or feeding us with lies. And our spirit is getting polluted with those lies. I don't know. But we should check out ourselves and try to keep that encouragement that, that John is giving them to just purify ourselves. I put you there, I, I gave you there all the verses that I already gave you to there. So it's Peter saying in First Peter, so we need to be holy. And I want you to finally go into verse 3 in your Bibles to finish with this fact and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself so just it just as he is pure I want I want you to think about it how purity in our lives is both here John is encouraging us to purify ourselves but at this at the same time being pure it's a, a sign that we are living a life in His likeness. So, I want for a second that you forget the ethnicity and you forget the nationality of those people in that raft. Because I think we all are kind of rafters. We live in this world. We are in this body. But at the same time, we are wanting to get to our real final place. We have already the citizenship. We have already the right to get to that place. But we are not there yet. So like those people, we are in the way. We are trying to every day get rid of this nature, this body, and everything happening in this corrupt world. And we are trying to reach the other side. 
So while we are in transit from this world to that place we have for sure, let's have a lifestyle of hope. Just looking and trying to live for that future place we're going to reach. It's my prayer that every one of us may always have in mind the future that awaits on us. And uh, believe for sure that that is going to happen. And wish intensely to be with the Lord. Because it's going to be so much better. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you because you loved us first. Because you did everything. Even when we didn't deserve it. To declare us righteous in Jesus. Father, to give us access to your kingdom. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being called and privilege of being your children. Father, we thank you for the living hope we have in you. A hope that is certain, not just probable. Father, we ask you please that you help us to live today on that joyful expectancy of future, of a future with you, God. Help us to show that in righteousness and help us to live today in a purifying process while we prepare, while we go, while we are in this transit to get to you. Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, and we ask you help to go in this transit time. Help us to purify ourselves every day. In Christ we pray. Amen.